grace, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The lesson for our consideration this morning comes from Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 14. We read, If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so, somehow, to attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is our text. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, have you ever found out you were wrong about something? And I don't just mean something small, like forgetting someone's name right after you meet them. I mean finding out that a basic assumption that you thought was true is completely false. I remember a time that that happened to me. You see, when I was a really little kid, I was convinced that my parents were siblings. I know, it sounds ridiculous now, but it made sense at the time. They hung out a lot. They got along pretty well. And at that point in my life, brothers and sisters were the only people I was aware of with that kind of close relationship. Well, I was probably about five or so, and we had some family over for a get-together, and partway through the day's festivities, I remember thinking to myself, man, if my parents are siblings, then how come I've got two sets of grandparents? That's when it clicked and I realized I had been wrong the entire time. Now, it's one thing to be wrong about something when you're a little kid, but it's quite another when you become an adult. In our text for today, the Apostle Paul talks about a time he found out he was wrong about something much more serious, salvation. Listen again as the Apostle describes his way of life before he became a Christian. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, 
persecuting the church as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Where did Paul go wrong? Obviously, it was bad that he persecuted the church, but that was only a symptom of a much deeper problem. You see, as a Pharisee, Paul wanted to have God on his own terms. He tried to turn God into sort of a divine rule keeper who gave people a checklist to follow. And Paul, well, he checked all the boxes. In fact, Paul thought he was so good at pleasing God that he needed to punish people who didn't live up to his standard in place of the true God Paul set up an idol, a false god, small enough for him to feel like he could get into heaven all by himself. Do you and I make the same mistake? I'm sure the knee-jerk reaction is, no. We don't go around persecuting the church. We're not Pharisees. But dig a little deeper and you'll find that you have idols in your heart just like Paul had them in his. Maybe your God is one that doesn't take sin too seriously. He's more of a lenient grandfather than anything else. He turns a blind eye when you do something wrong, but ask him for money or cool toys, he'll give you plenty of those. Or maybe your God is more of a, a life coach. What he's really here to give you is validation. After all, you were baptized here, confirmed here. You volunteer all the time. You deserve a little recognition. And who does that pastor think he is to call you out on your sin? That guy just doesn't know what he's talking about. Trouble is, though, the true God isn't like that at all. The true God takes sin seriously. And he knows every sin you've ever committed. If we take an honest look inside of our own hearts, it becomes crystal clear that there is not a single thing any of us could do to stand before a holy, righteous God. But let's stop looking at ourselves. Instead, what does God do? The true God comes down from heaven and lives as one of us. For over 30 years, Jesus served all the people around him without a hint of selfishness. He worshipped God perfectly. He lived the kind of life that you and I were supposed to live. But he didn't stop there. Because God took all of your sins, the sins of your pride, the sins that you thought were good deeds, the sins you're so ashamed of, you try to hide them, even from yourself. He took all of those, and he put them on his son. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, your sin is gone. And as the Son of God died, he gave up his perfect life, his righteousness, and he gave it to you. Think about that for a moment. There are a number of times throughout Scripture where God speaks from heaven in approval of his Son. One of those times is recorded in Matthew chapter 3. God says, This is my Son, whom I love. With him 
I am well pleased. Because of what happened on the cross and at the empty tomb, God doesn't just say those words about Jesus. He says them about you. Paul recognized the beauty of that miraculous fact. Uh, Just listen to what he had to say in our text. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Consider everything a loss compared to Christ. How do we do that? Well, how does any child show love to his father? He speaks to him, and the child listens when the father speaks back to him. That's exactly what we do in our lives as Christians. Every time you open the Bible, God speaks. He placed his hand on you at baptism, claimed you as his own. He even feeds you at the Lord's Supper. Then we speak to him in prayer. And he listens. The true God bends down from heaven every time a beloved child of his opens his mouth to speak. The best part of all, though, is that with everything that the Heavenly Father does, he's leading you home. And the blessings of heaven will be far greater than any of us could ever possibly imagine. But allow me to state the obvious. We're not in heaven yet. So when you walk out the doors of this church today, what should your Christian life look like? Before we answer that question, I think it's important to understand what we want our Christian lives to look like. The first thing that we want is outward success. We want to be part of a growing church. We want our friends to come and worship with us when we invite them. And we want to come away from every religious conversation feeling satisfied. The other thing that we want is inner peace. We want to feel good about the person that we look at in the mirror, whether that means getting rid of guilt or just feeling confident in the route that we take through life. Now, of course, there's nothing wrong with any one of those things by themselves. But we make a mistake if we think that our happiness is the sole purpose of our lives as Christians. The Apostle Paul points us to something better. He writes this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Jesus says the same thing a little more simply in Matthew 16. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Taking up your cross means keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, even when it seems to cause nothing but trouble. It means that even when tragedy strikes, you recognize that Christ is in control 
and you keep following him. But if that's the standard for our Christian living, how could you and I ever possibly live up to it? I don't know about you, but I usually don't take it too well when trouble comes into my life. Just think back on the last couple of years. There was a global pandemic, all sorts of economic problems. Now there's even outbreaks of war. At so many different points, I was tempted to throw up my hands and say, it's hopeless. Everything's out of control. It's so easy to just give up instead of following Jesus through the hard times. Thankfully, though, we have a God who understands our weaknesses. Even Paul was far from a perfect Christian. He writes this, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul realized that the strength to believe in God's promises did not come from himself. It came from God. And the same is true for you. Now, that doesn't mean that your life is going to be easy. Jesus tells us that we will have suffering. But when those hard times come, remember that you have a God who stays with you. Jesus is greater than any suffering you could ever possibly endure. And he's greater than any guilt that you carry around in your heart. And we know all this because God himself tells us in his word. So when trouble arises, run back to scripture. Read about the God who takes filthy sinners and turns them into his children. Read about the Savior who was willing to give up everything to gain an eternity with you. I'm sure all of us can think of a time in our lives where we were proven wrong about something. But thank God that your faith will never be one of those things. Because our faith is founded on the God who destroys sin and gives us his own righteousness his own life. And because of that gift, you can live as Paul did, recognizing that you are both a sinner and a saint. So when you fall short, don't despair. Pray about it. The Heavenly Father hears you, and he always offers forgiveness. When temptation comes knocking, don't lose heart. Look to Christ, to the perfect record that he gave you. Rely on his strength in everything, both good times and bad. Remember that you don't go through life with your own righteousness. You go through it with God's righteousness. No matter what happens, you have the cross of Jesus to cling to. Because of that cross, the victory is already yours. Amen.
This message was a production of St. Marcus Lutheran Church. For similar content, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or our YouTube channel. For more information about how to support our urban gospel ministry in Milwaukee, please visit stmarcus.org.